While we remain standing, open your Bibles, please. I hope you bring a Bible. Don't ever start going to church without bringing your Bible. Amen. You said, I thought it would be on an overhead projector. If you had a note, you couldn't write it on our overhead projector. If you have a phone with a Bible on it, you can't use whiteout on there, I hope. Don't do that. Uh, and so I don't know if you're reading the Bible with me or you're texting or reviewing something. So get yourself a Bible. Uh, see, I, I'm marking my Bible. I just write all kinds of stuff in there. And I don't preach out of this. I use this as my text, of course. But I, I write notes in here, definitions, things I want to remember, uh, reference things. I, this is what I do. The Bible is meant not to just be carried. It is meant to be used. Amen. And so it doesn't do a bit of good even to quote the Bible if you do not do what the Bible says. Amen. And so I want to help you this morning. In the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. <clears throat> John chapter number 14. Our folks, look around. If you see some without a Bible, ask them if you can sit there and share your Bible with them, help them a little bit. We're going to use the Bible quite a bit this morning. And so that's why I say that along with other things. I mean, we'll be doing some turning. There is some explanation, so you don't just think, well, that's an opinion. The way I was trained was, doesn't matter how you were trained or my opinion. But what saith the Word of God? That's what should make the difference. So we'll use the Word of God to explain to you about this subject. John chapter 14, one verse here, then we're going to go to Acts. John chapter 14 and verse number 6. Jesus said unto him, talking to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts, right after John, good book of Acts, chapter number 4. Now, these are only text verses. These are not all the verses we're going to be using. Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 12. This is one of my favorite verses to explain how that there is no salvation in anybody else but Jesus Christ. Amen. But watch what this says very carefully. Verse number 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. One last verse and then we'll make our prayer. Go back to the book of John. Right before Acts. Go backward. John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1 and verse number 29. John chapter number 1 and verse number 29. <clears throat> Everybody there? Wonderful. Now, may I explain something? And, and don't take it if you do not know. It's not your fault probably. Uh, if you do not have a King James Bible, I really don't know what Amen. you have. Yeah. Amen. Uh, the Word of God is so important that God said he will preserve his, not just his word, his words yes. to every generation. Yes. So somewhere in this world, there's got to be an every word of God book. Yes. Now the world will teach you they're all basically the word of God. Now I'm not sure how that can happen. If they're all different, how can they all basically be the same? Now, I have a lot of Bible for saying this, but I just, in passing. And so you look at that and go, that's not what my Bible says. If your Bible does not read the way mine does, at best you may have a commentary, but you don't have a Bible. You may not even know why. 
I'm not slapping at you. The world doesn't seem to think that's a big issue anymore. My Bible teaches me heaven and earth itself shall pass away. But my words shall never pass away. So look in John chapter number 1, verse number 29. And the next day, John, this is John, what was he? The Baptist. <laughs> not John the Presbyterian. Not John the Mormon. Not John the Congregationalist. His middle name was not the. So it wasn't John, his middle name's the, and his last name was Baptist. No, he was a Baptist. Jesus came to John, was baptized of John, so Jesus was a. That bothers you, doesn't it? Hey, what do you mean he was a Baptist? Okay, if you got saved in a Baptist church by the word of God and got baptized here, what would that make you? Baptist. A Baptist. Am I going way out on a limb? I mean, is this, is, this, is this really deep? I don't think so. Look in verse number 29. John chapter 1 and verse number 29. The next day, John, John the, the, the Baptist, seeth Jesus coming to him, and watch what he says. Watch what he says. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help us, please, this morning. Lord, we're so ready to go by our feelings, what we believe, what somebody else has told us, but you have given us your word. I fear most are ignorant. They're not stupid. They're not dumb. They're just, they don't know the word of God anymore. Help us, please, at least in this subject, to understand what I can do to go to heaven. Please help us. May I make it plain, not for my sake, but for theirs and for the gospel's sake. Help us this morning, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. He promised us that he would be a counselor, a mighty God and a prince of peace. He promised us that he would be a father and would love us with the love that would not cease well i tried him and found his promises are true he's everything he said that he would be oh the finest words i know cannot begin to tell just how much Jesus really means to me for he's more wonderful than my mind can conceive he's more wonderful than my heart can believe he goes beyond my highest hopes and fondest dreams. 
everything that my soul ever longed for everything he's promised and so much more more than amazing more than marvelous more than miraculous could ever be he's more than wonderful that's what jesus is to me i stand amazed to think the king of glory would come to live within the heart of man oh i marvel just to know he really loves me when i think of who he is and who i am for he's more wonderful than my mind can conceive he's more wonderful than my heart can believe he goes beyond my highest hopes and fondest dreams he's everything that my soul ever longed for everything he's promised and so much more more than amazing more than marvelous more than miraculous could ever be he's more than wonderful so wonderful that's what Jesus is to me. Most people do not stick around long enough to watch God work in a person's life. Um, I'm always amazed when I stop and think about this. Uh, the young man you just heard sing, uh, I was at the hospital the night he was born. And his mommy is with us. And uh, so it's nice to see him not just sitting in church, but actually giving himself in church. By the way, that was his wife playing piano. And they have four children. And uh, one of, they had two of them at one time. So they're going to have them two at a time. And uh, actually, as little as she is, she just had a baby not long ago. And so uh, that's pretty amazing. We have folks like that uh, all over this church. And I'm glad to have you here this morning. Would you please turn to John chapter 14 again, please, our text verse. John chapter number 14. 
Now, you will need your Bible. You may actually even want to write something down in this whole three hours that I will be preaching. You'll probably not be able to memorize it all. So I, maybe it's just me. Maybe you have a better mind than I do, but I can't remember what I just said. So there we go. John chapter number 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter number 14 and verse number 6. Jesus said, listen up, fellas, listen up now. Here, hey, hey, look up here. Scoot over. Share a Bible with him. You don't have a Bible. There you go. Scoot on over there. Okay, let's see who else is disobeying. I mean, uh, trying to help out. Okay, good, good, wonderful. John chapter 14, verse number 6. Jesus saith. You got who's talking here? Okay, to help you out, probably in your Bible, it's probably in red, right? Makes it easier? Wonderful. Good thing it's in red. Maybe we wouldn't know. <laughs> Jesus said unto him, you ready? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Or, watch what he said. He does not say this. If you were to ask, what is the way? What is the truth? What is the life? That's not what he said. Who? I am. I am. I am. It's a person. It's not a way. It's a person. You remember when Jesus with Mary and Martha and Lazarus had died and they were heartbroken and they ran out to him. Oh, if you'd only been here, our brother would not have died. And he looked at Mary and Martha at two different times and said, Martha, Mary, at two different times, I am the resurrection. I know, I know in the latter days, they missed the whole thing. They were thinking about an event or a time. Jesus said, no, I am the resurrection of life. We're not looking for a time. Everybody's looking for a time or a day. You need to be looking for a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. And the same thing here. The right way, the right truth, the right life is through a person. Jesus saith, me. Go to Acts chapter number 4, right after John, Acts chapter number 4. Now, folks, when you read your Bible, here's what most people do. They read something, and something they've been taught, they get hung up on. And from that point on, you're not listening along with me. Okay, I'm not going to talk you into anything. I'm going to try to explain some Bible to you, as they said in the world, I'm going to explain it. And uh, Acts chapter number 4, verse number 12. Ready? Neither, that means there isn't any, is there salvation in any other? Right. Now, it's talking about Jesus. Now, why? Why not? You've heard people on the news going, are you trying to tell me there's only one religion in the world that saves? And everybody, pa everybody panics on to say yes. You mean in the Middle East it has to be Jesus? You mean over in Africa it has to be Jesus? You mean in South America? Yes, yes, yes. Why? Why is there only that? Watch what the Bible explains itself. Ready? Look at it. Look at it. I know I'm cute, but look at your Bible. <laughs> Neither is there salvation in any other. Why? Because. The word for can be inter interchanged most times with because or because of. Okay? All right? Neither is there salvation in any other for or because. Listen to me. There is none other. What's the next word? Name. Not way. Yeah. Name. Yeah, right. Name. Right. Name. There is not another name. Watch what he said. Another name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So I don't care if you're over in Africa. I don't care if you're over in the Middle East. I don't care. I, it doesn't, there is a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. 
God's only begotten son. Now you said, yeah, we're, uh, yeah, he's your son. No, he's his only begotten son. If you're saved, you're a son of God. But you're not the only begotten of the Father. You have to understand it. So what's he say? Neither is there salvation in any other. Why? For there is none other name. I don't care who you call on. I'm sorry, that won't do it. That won't do it. And so what's he say? There is none other name under heaven. No matter where you go on this planet, you're under heaven. Is that right? Okay, so if I run real quick and go over in China and I look up, what am I looking at? Heaven. If I run right back to America and look up again, guess what I'm looking at? Smog. No, heaven. So, under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. We must be saved. We must be saved. Now go back to John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. I told you going to use Bible this morning. Amen. By the way, this way it ought to be in every church. Amen. I've been here this July 35 years, and I appreciate your trust. I really do. Oh, no, preacher wouldn't lie. There's a lot of people who, who would not purposely lie to people sitting in front of them. But they just don't know the truth. And that's what's bad about it. So get your Bible. John chapter number 1, verse number 29. The next day, John, now this is John the Baptist, saw who? Jesus, coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God is Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you this morning about the facts of you going to heaven. The facts, the facts, the facts. F-A-C-T-S, facts, 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 facts. When most people, most unlearned people, think about going to heaven, most of the time, what we're thinking about, what crosses our mind is, what can I do or what must I do to go to heaven? What can I do or what must I do in order to go to heaven? The reason most of us think this way, we think there's some inherent goodness in us. We, we just do. Well, you can, you can ask, you can ask, I don't want to get into all that. So what happens here is that we think there's some inherent good. So here's what we do. Tell me what I have to do or what I must do, and I will do my best to do that. Like there's some goodness in us to do that. Now, again, I just want to talk about the facts. Not how you feel about it and those kinds of things, okay? So what happens here is if, if I have some inherent goodness, you tell me what I have to do or what I must do so that I can perform that and go to heaven. So tell me what I have to do, and I'll do that. Tell me what I must do, and I'll do that. What? I want to go to heaven. And I think I could do that. Now, hold on. Go to Isaiah. Uh-oh, new book. Okay. Isaiah, Old Testament. Big book in the Old Testament, Okay. There's Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah. Actually, Isaiah's in the hospital. Um, this Isaiah's in heaven, but, you know, his little boy. Isaiah chapter 64. Isaiah chapter number 64. You there? Isaiah chapter number 64. Here is the fact of us doing good to go to heaven. The fact, the fact, the fact. Now, you may come to church to want to feel good. I love feeling good. You say, I come to church so, so I can have a good time. I love having a good time. But we're talking about going to heaven. And we better get this down. Because there's not a lot of other choices here. So I want to make sure. You know, I'd hate to miss heaven just because I thought something. Right? Uh, what if the Bible is wrong? Then none of us need to worry about it because ain't none of us going. Isaiah chapter 64. Here is the fact. The fact about us doing good to get to heaven. Look at verse 6. You're not going to like this, so get your magic marker out and cross it out. 
But we are all as an unclean thing. Yeah, but what about... No, he said all. Yeah, but I grew up over... He said all. Yeah, but I know a guy that's worse than... He said all as an unclean thing. You ready for this? You're not going to like this part. And all of our righteousnesses, your very best, all the good stuff you could possibly do, that's righteousness, ours, 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 are as filthy rags. Why would he say that? I'm trying to do good. And by the way, I didn't write the Bible. God is saying through uh, uh, Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah here, our best days, all the good, the right things, the clean things, the holy things we think we can do, filthy rags. Now hold it, I'm trying to work my way to go to heaven. I'm trying to be good enough to go to heaven. And God just told me it's not going to amount to anything but filthy rags. Do you know why? Because we have a tendency to compare my goodness with your goodness. And I'm much better than you. Then he turns around and goes like this. Well, the guy down the aisle for me, he's something. Boy, I'm telling you something, I'm better than him. But God doesn't compare us to one another. God compares us to his perfect son, Jesus Christ. And you think you have good works to match with him? Filthy rags. So watch what else he says. And we all do fade as a leaf. Our and our iniquities like the wind, have our own sins and iniquities. Just take us right away. So when a person begins to think, what can I do to get me to heaven? Already you're thinking wrong. You're already going in a wrong direction. His best days are as filthy rags. So when it comes to you being good enough to get to heaven... Filthy rags. You say, I don't like that. You shouldn't like it. Matter of fact, you shouldn't like it enough to turn to Jesus and say, please save me. But we don't tend to do that. I want you to go, if you would, to Titus, way up by Hebrews. Timothy, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, okay? Way up in the New Testament. Looking for Titus. Do you know where Timothy is? Uh, Maybe I don't. There it goes. There we go. That'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? Hold on, folks. I'm trying to find... Now go to the beginning of... Let's see. Page number one. Okay, got it. Okay. Titus chapter number three. Titus chapter number three. I want you to look at verse number five. Again, I'm trying to... I, I, I want us to know the facts of you going to heaven. Right. I, I want you to know the facts. I'm not asking you to be a Baptist. Right. I mean, if you're going, you might as well go first class. But... I want you to know the facts. Okay, you understand? In order to know facts, we have to study facts. Okay, watch what it says. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5. Ready? Not by works of righteousness which we have done. There's that righteousness and we again. But according to his mercy, he saved us. So our good works, our cleaning up our life, our trying to do righteous things hasn't got a thing to do with getting saved, with being saved, with getting to heaven. Okay? There's an old preacher. Now, to believe that I somehow, by some means, could get myself to heaven after everything that Jesus perfectly did, do you understand how blasphemous this sounds? Jesus said, I did it all, it's finished, and now I'm going to wrap my good works around his perfect works and make it perfecter. That's not a word. That doesn't even make sense. My sinfulness 
all of my lack of ability, all of my lack of goodness, Jesus did it all and said, it's finished, and now I'm going to wrap my works around his works and make it complete salvation. That's what a lot of people believe. Now that I'm saved, I have to be good. Like, here he is, and I'm going to do this, and it's really going to bring about salvation. It's an old preacher by the name of Vance Havner, lived back uh, early 19th, 20th century. Here's what he said. Just because we have split the atom and have reached the moon, we have given God his walking papers. And have declared that we can work out our own salvation and somehow science will figure out what to do about sin. We don't want to face it. We don't want to think about it. Ladies and gentlemen, I declare unto you today that if you are relying on any type of works you've done, you will not go to heaven. You say that's pretty absolute. That's the point. It's absolutely true about everybody. Ready? Go to Ephesians. I told you I'm to use your Bible. I know most churches don't do this. Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Again, we're talking about, I, preacher, whether I'm a Baptist, whether I'm a Lutheran, I, mean, I want to know the facts. What can I do to get me to heaven? I want to go. Okay, I'm all for you. I think it's this way. I think it's that way. I think, okay, stop, stop, stop. Let's just talk about the facts. Let's just talk about Bible facts and what it says about these things. In Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse number 8 and 9. Verse number 8 and 9. You ready? For by grace are you saved through faith. Amen. That not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Ready? Hold on. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. So, look at the first part. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. So he's making a point. How is a person saved? By grace. Not by you. It's by grace. We'll talk about that in a second. Keeping that in mind, or if you want to hold your finger there, go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter number 11. Romans chapter number 11. Now we just talked about, he made a statement, for by grace are you saved through faith. Is that right? Faith is trusting God to do what he says. All right? Now, watch this very carefully. In Romans chapter 11, verse number 6, and if by grace, now hold on, we just read that it is by grace. So he's making an argument like I do sometimes. So do you think, see, I'm pulling you in. Okay, so here he goes, and if by grace, the writer of Romans, the apostle Paul, already knows it's by grace. But here's what he says. And if by grace... Then it is no more works. Mm -hmm. Now this isn't a confusing verse here. Actually, what it does is draw a line right between works and grace. And here's what he says. Look at it. And if by grace, it is because in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, it says that by grace are you saved through faith. So that's established. Now he brings, okay, if it's by grace, watch, then it is no more works. If it's by grace, it's no more works. No more. None. Zero. Nada. Nothing. Got it? Okay, watch what. 
Otherwise, grace is no more grace. It's either grace or it's works. It can't be both. It has to be one or the other. Why? Because he says right here, if it's by grace, it's no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. How can you call it grace when you're working your way to get there? Then he turns the whole thing around and he comes at it from the other direction. And if by works, then it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. If you're working to get yourself to heaven, you're trying to be righteous, you're trying to do good, mow your neighbor's lawn, smile at everybody, do all those things you think is going to get you there, and keep the Ten Commandments, which you probably couldn't quote them in their entirety right now if I pointed at you. Ten Commandments were never meant to keep. The Ten Commandments were absolutely perfect. And in Romans or Galatians, it says, no man is justified by the law. It is obvious. For a man is justified by faith. Lots of verses. Okay, so watch what he says here. But if by works, then there's no more grace. Now, let's talk about what is grace. When talking about salvation, talking about salvation and getting saved, not talking about living the Christian life, talking about salvation, grace is the goodness and pleasure of God toward us. That's it. For by grace are you saved. It had nothing to do with us. It's just the goodness and pleasure of God that gave it to us. Okay? Now let's talk about works when it comes to salvation. When it comes to salvation, works is man's effort by good works to earn heaven. So I'm going to earn it by being good. And the Bible said grace is the pleasure of God to give it to us. Seems to me like there's a big difference between those two. Grace and human efforts do not mix. Any more than water and oil do not mix. Any more than light and darkness mixes. Any more than Christ and Satan agreeing on things. Never happen. So what are we talking about? You cannot work to get yourself to heaven. You cannot save yourself. And you cannot work to keep yourself saved after you're saved. We say, yeah, that's getting saved. But after I'm saved, I've got to work good in order to stay saved. All your works of righteousness are filthy rags. What makes you think they're any better after you're saved? To keep yourself saved. Either salvation is finished and complete in Christ or it's not. Look, I hate to tell you this. I'm not on probation. Not just as a person, but when it comes to eternal life. Well, if if you behave a certain way, I'll consider taking you. If not, back to the original, you're going to hell. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He doesn't say probation. There are no conditions. It is eternal. Once saved, always saved. The confusion comes when you think, yeah, but what happens if I sin afterward? That's a whole different subject altogether. So let's talk about the facts of going to heaven. He said, I thought we were. Well, that's kind of introduction. Okay. I want you to go to Romans chapter number 3. You're already in Romans. Go to chapter 3. I wish you brought your Bible so you can see that. I, I just know people are going, that's not what I believe. That's not what I've heard. That's why I'm trying to use as much Bible as I can. And by the way, there's a lot more Bible to this that I'll give you this morning. Romans chapter number 3. Look at verse number 10. Romans chapter 3, verse number 10. The first fact I want to bring out to you is this. You are a sinner. Amen. That's a fact. Amen. You said, I'm trying, I don't think. No, it's a fact. Yep. 
It's a fact. God said so. So it has to be true. Either that or God is lying. It's impossible for God to lie. So if God said we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, then we all must have sinned and we're coming short of the glory of God. Verse number 10. Chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is... What's that word? None righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of their way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Now God knows everything. God sees everything. And so he's talking about you and me. He's talking about everybody from Adam to the last man that ever lived. And he said, nobody, nobody searches after me. And she said, no, I've been searching for God for long. No, you're searching for something. Peace, contentment in your mind. Love, but you didn't know it was Jesus Christ. I'll show you why here in just a little bit. So look what it says here in verse 13. Their throat is an open sepulcher. That, that is like a casket that you put dead people in. And their tongues have, and, and their tongues they have you. I'm sorry. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps, that's a poisonous snake, is under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet is... It sounds like God knows it's pretty good. Their feet is swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their way. The way of peace they know not. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and the world become guilty before God. Verse 20, therefore, by the deeds of the law. You ever heard somebody say like that? Can I ask you, what makes you think you're going to heaven? What would I have to do? When we were in uh, Ghana, we went to a college, and, uh, and, and we're asking people all the time, so can I just ask you a question? They love to talk to people. They say, yeah, that's fine. And they said, um, what, what do you think is going to get you to heaven? So I remember talking to two, two young ladies, and they both kind of stared at each other and thought for a minute. One of them said, well, you have to keep Ten Commandments. I said, that's something. Isn't that something? I want to go to heaven. And they just kind of stared at me. I said, uh, can, can you quote those to me? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Come on. They kind of started to giggle and look at each other. Yeah. Everybody that says that can't quote them. Amen. I mean in their entirety. I think they hit three of them. One of them wasn't really right. right. But it was close. Okay? There's ten. And some of them carry quite a definition with them. Yes, okay? Right. I said, okay, my fault. Maybe, maybe you can't quote them. Here, here's my Bible. Just show me where they're located. They couldn't do that either. So let me get this straight. In order to go to heaven, I have to keep the Ten Commandments. You said so, and you can't even find them. You can't even quote them. So don't tell me you're doing them. Okay, now that that's out of the way. Romans chapter, look, look at verse number 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be, sa- be justified in his sight. Why? Why? For by the law is simply the knowledge of sin. It just tells you how short you've been fallen. That's what it was for, to tell you you're not good enough to please God. So, I want you to go to Romans, look at verse number 10, and then 23. Look at verse 10. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Go to verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You come short. I don't care how good you are, you come short. If this is the glory of God, God said, if you want to work to get to heaven, meet my glory. I'll admit, I'm here. No doubt about it. When God found me, gutter, gutter guy. That would be me, okay? You say, well, preacher, I've never stooped so low, but you still missed. If we're jumping a cavern and I miss by 30 feet and you miss by one foot, guess how many of us missed? Both of us. See? So what happens here is this. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. 
But don't just blank. Well, Jesus died for everybody. Hold on. But he died for you. Why did he have to die for you and not just the sins of the whole world? Because you're a sinner too. You're a sinner. You're on your way to hell. It's not just the whole world without Christ. But you need to accept the fact that you personally have sinned and you personally are a sinner. See, there's two different things. Because of Adam and Eve, you have a very nature of sin. And because of what you do, you also have sinned. So you can't just blame mom and dad. Because you've sinned too. However, you inherited their nature, which is sinful after what they did in the garden. Do not make any excuse for your sin. Why? God's not looking for an excuse. God already knows. Well, God, you know, I was born in this kind of a family and I really didn't mean it. God said, stop. I just want to know, will you agree with me and do what I ask you to do? Somehow we feel like going to our earthly dad. Uh, dad uh, uh, Brother Celier has these little uh, um, space... No, they're not dolls. These, um, Huh? Knickknacks, and uh, they're like little spacemen, okay, and they're, and they're bookends, and uh, walked in one day, and one of them, their leg was falling off, not falling off, it broke off, tried to pick it up, and one of the arms fell off, so the only person who was in there, I think, was your daughter, and she said, watch, here's how we use deceivement, ready, ready, did you touch that knickknack? No. She touched the books that caused the knick-knack to fall over. That's called deceivement. However, bless her heart, I believe the next day, she came with tears and said, Daddy, I did that. Okay, I'm telling you what the truth is. Can't you just go to your father and say, I'm guilty. I did that. No, we want to make an excuse. Well, let's see. If I, I'm going to, I've got to tell him something. Tell him you're guilty. Tell him he's right. Tell him you need him. That's what you need to do. Do not play down or minimize or, 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 or compare how bad you are with other people. Accept the fact you are a sinner. Just accept it. When I go like this, you are a rotten, dirty sinner. I beg your pardon? You know, you look at me like I'm getting ready to go to jail. Huh? Folks, look at me. Your sin, look how bad this is. Girls, look at me, look at me. Your sin, this is how bad it is. Your sin put Jesus Christ on the cross. That's how bad you are. If you were the only person in the world, he'd have went to the cross to save you. That's how bad, the only sacrifice. It was that bad, it took heaven's best just to get you forgiven. You understand that? Okay, I want you to go to 2 Timothy. Fact you are a sinner. Second Timothy. Second Timothy. You're heading towards Hebrews. Wait, New Testament. Okay. Second Timothy, chapter number three. Maybe I want to turn the fan on. I think it's comfortable or warm. Maybe it's just me. Okay. Second Timothy, chapter three. Look at verse number two. I don't know what generation God was thinking of, but if this doesn't describe America, I have no idea what does. It's amazing how the Bible, even our English Bible, was written over 400 years ago. And God's Word was written before the world ever began. Watch how accurate this is. Ready? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Boy, boy, that's true. Hold on, we're not done. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. 
disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, means they can't control themselves. Fierce, despisers of those that are good. Don't really need a reason. I just don't like you people. You're a Christian. We hate you. Why? You don't even know me. To know me is to love me. So, watch. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Friends quit whitewashing the rotten wood. That's what you're doing. You're whitewashing, trying to make it look better. It's rotten. This sepulcher is what they put dead people in in the Bible times. It's called a sepulcher. Okay? It's full of dead men's bones. There's nothing valuable in it. That's us. Cleaning the outside, sometimes I'll take a, I, I like to drink milk. Don't give me the whole, it's not good for you. I love milk. <laughs> and I will take it and I'll bring my glass down and I'll set it in the sink and it'll leave a hard ring in the bottom if you don't, if you don't add some water and, and clean it out right away. What good would it do if I picked up a towel or something and cleaned off the whole outside and set it back inside the cupboard? And my wife said, honey, did you put that dirt? No, on the outside it's clean as it can be, honey. It really, look at the outside, it's clean. Honey, did you see the ring on the inside of that cup? It's filthy on the bottom there. Yeah, but the outside of the cup looks good. I mean, if you look at the cup, it looks good. This is what we do in our life. We think if all of this looks real good, and nobody can really see what's going on in here, we're clean. That's not true. The facts of you going to heaven, number one fact, you are a sinner. You have to come to grips with that. Number two. Here's another fact you're going to have to accept. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus. Only Jesus can save. Buddha cannot save. He died. He's still dead and couldn't save himself. Muhammad is not a name for Jesus in other countries. Can I say that again? Don't lift your eyebrows at me. Muhammad is not another name for Jesus in another country. Remember he said none other name. None other name. Allah is not a different name for God Almighty, the Father of Jesus Christ. Not another name. Joseph Smith tried to convince everybody, and a lot of people have believed it, that Jesus could not come back, so he sent him in his place. and started the Mormon religion. There's a lot of things about that you don't need. You talk about a whacked out religion. That's one of them right there. The Pope is not the Holy Father. And he cannot, never could, forgive sins. The Bible said there is no other mediator between God and man but the man Christ Jesus. Not Mary, not the priest, not the Father. I hate to bring up the facts. The Bible says Jesus is the only mediator between man and God. The Bible says that. Now, if you don't believe the Bible, it doesn't make any difference then, does it? But we're talking about Bible. There's only one Savior. Jehovah, ready for this? Jehovah God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, no, preacher, it's either God or Christ. No, no, no. Jehovah God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jehovah God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Go to Isaiah chapter 43. Remember we were there a little while ago? Isaiah, Old Testament, in the middle, almost. Okay? Isaiah, went too far. There we go. Isaiah chapter number 43. 
Actually, I believe this is where Jehovah No Witnesses get their name from. Isaiah chapter 43, verse number, so you don't read ahead of me. You're scanning right now. I think I know where he's going. Chapter 43, verse 10. Ready? Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Now this is God talking to his people. Ready? Ready? Watch this very carefully. Before me, there was no God formed. So before God, there was no other God. Ready? Right. Neither shall there be after me. Amen. No God after me. No God before me. He's the only God. Ready? Look at verse 11. I, <clears throat> even I am the Lord. Go ahead, read the rest of it. And beside me there is no what? Oh, wait a minute. you telling me God just claimed to be the Savior? Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Is that a misprint? God Almighty Himself said, I am God, and I'm the only God. There wasn't any before me. There's no God. Listen to me very carefully. I'm getting ready to attack Jehovah's Witnesses. There is no God after me. I'm the only Savior. Isn't that good? You like that? Now, hold on, hold on. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter number 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, that John. John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. Uh, if, you, if you know much about Jehovah's Witnesses, they're pretty mixed up, and they change things constantly to fit what they believe. One of the things they did, they have a, a, their own Bible, their own version of the Bible. And they will tell you, in the original, it doesn't really say that. In their Bible, what I just read to you in Isaiah, it has those two verses. Where God, listen to me, help me with kids. Where God himself said... I am the only God and the Savior. Yeah. It's in their Bible. It's in their version of the Bible. Yeah. Okay? However, they go to John chapter 1, verse number 1, and they change something, and they'll tell you, yeah, but it should have been interpreted this way. If it needed to be interpreted the way I'm going to tell you, then they have a huge contradiction in their Bible. Yeah. Because the Old Testament, you have to understand, the Bible all fits together. Yeah. If there's any contradiction, it's between here. Right. Right. Uh, you understand? Yeah. Because the Bible said the Bible, the Word of God is of no private interpretation. Yes, sir. Right. Okay, watch what it says. In, in uh, John chapter number 1, look at verse number 1. In the beginning, talking about the beginning of the world, or the beginning of the beginning, was the Word. That is a capital W. Not Word like what we're reading, words. Okay? And the Word was with God. Okay, I got that so far. And the Word was a God. I'm sorry? Not a God? That's what Jehovah's Witness Bible says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Hold it. Isaiah just said, by God Almighty, there is no God formed after me or before me. I'm the only Savior. Somebody messed their Bible up. Now go to verse 14, that same chapter. So who is this word person we're talking about? Ready? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Amen. Huh. huh, huh. It's getting gooder. Jesus is the only Savior spoken of in all the New Testament. Right. 
There's not another Savior spoken of in the New Testament at all. God says of himself, I'm the only Savior. Oh, we have a huge contradiction. No, we have an absolute agreement in the Bible. It, it, this is a true statement because Jesus and God are one and the same. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I and my Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. On and on and on throughout the Bible, when they, when they told Jesus forgave sins and the Pharisees said, who is this that can forgive? Nobody can forgive sins but God. They didn't know the truth they were even talking about. Jesus is God, and that's why he can forgive sins. You are a lost sinner. That's a fact. Throughout the Bible, there's a lot more verses I could have showed you. You are in need of a Savior who can provide salvation, and Jesus is the only Savior. Fact. There is nobody else. God said, God Almighty, who created heaven and earth and everything on it, in it, and under it, said, there's one Savior. That's my Son. My Son and I, we're one and the same. The Word and me and my Son, we're one and the same. You go to Hebrews, you'll see that reported over and over again. Go to Acts chapter 4 now. Isn't this great? We're using Bible instead of just guessing at stuff. Ah, I like this. Or we could have went to church, had a good time. Yeah. And learned nothing. I'm just dancing in the Spirit. Hold on. Help us. Yeah, we need help, don't we? Acts chapter number 4, verse number 12. You got a question? Put your hand down. Okay. Acts chapter 4, verse number 12. Ready? Neither is there salvation in any other. That what it says? Right. Right. Why? Why is there not salvation in Buddha or Allah or uh, Confucius or the Pope? Or why? Well, here's the reason why. The fact. Ready? Here's the re- Neither is there salvation in any other. Why? For or because there's none other name. Right. Under heaven. I don't care where you're at. Given among men, whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ. Okay, and and I didn't say in another language, and and I think uh, Spanish is Jesus, right? You know what that means? Jesus. Buddha doesn't mean Jesus in another language. Allah doesn't mean Jesus in another language. Different person. You have to call on Jesus Christ. So what are we talking about here? Friend, if you do not accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are without any hope, any hope, any hope at all. No matter where on the human spectrum you think you are, well, you don't know who I know. If you don't know Jesus, you ain't going. Make any difference who else you don't know. Uh, There's no hope for me. Not true again. Jesus died for the whole world. So the fact is this. The facts of you getting to heaven, number one, you better believe this fact and accept it. You are a sinner. Number two, only Jesus Christ can save you. So I've got a sinner. I've got the only Savior. Fact number three. You you better concentrate on this part. You must repent. Now the confusion comes on what does repent mean. I'm going to clear that up for you this morning. I'll try anyway. Before we go on, you have to realize... During this whole time, I never used the words feeling, yep. right. circumstances, right. or understanding. Yep. Right. Facts are things you believe and do. Yep. Right. No feeling about it. No circumstances. Yeah, but what about, what about? No, those are circumstances. Yep. Not that at all. It has not been mentioned by me or in the Word of God. Every scripture we read is fact, 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 yep. fact, yep. fact. Yep. Not one time did he say, if you feel this way about it, if circumstances dictate 
There's no Bible for that at all. Salvation is based on facts. Fact number one, you're a sinner. It's a fact. I, I, folks, I could give you dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures, Old and New Testament, to show you what God says about us, and we are sinners. Number two, the fact is only Jesus can save you. We just talked about that. The only person, there's only one name, one name. If you do not call upon I'm the door into the sheepfold. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Over and over and over again. Lots of scripture for that. The fact is you must repent. You're a sinner. That's a fact. Only Jesus can save you. That's a fact. And if you don't repent, you're not going to get saved. But what do I mean by that? Folks, look at me. No feelings, no circumstances. It's always fact, faith, feelings. Always. We have decided that way. Yeah, I just don't feel like God's convicting me. I just don't feel like... Well, the circumstances seem to be... See, we flip the script. What God said was this way. We say is this way. This is what you needed. And you flipped it around. So what are we saying here? You are not saved because you felt something. I've heard people say, I know I'm saved. I felt... And they go on and tell me this fabulous story. You know, well, I was at the altar. I'm telling you, an angel picked me up and flew me. Okay. Can you show me Bible? No, it's just the way I felt. This is your charismatic people today. They're just making stuff up now. And when they put on there, the Holy Spirit led me to, it's like, okay, I guess I can't question that. He said the Holy Spirit led him. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. He being the author of the Bible will never contradict what he has written and given to us from God. So I don't care what you imagine, what you think, what you felt, what you dream. Now there are people, I went to hell for three days and God showed me and then brought me back to work. That is a lie. That's an absolute lie. How do you know that, preacher? He said it was. It is appointed unto man wants to die. And after that, the judgment. Not unto man, once did I come back, once did I come back. That's that's, uh, uh, reincarnation. There's no reincarnation. You're not coming back as a butterfly. Sorry. I was going to say something else, but better leave that one alone. Okay, now, so what happens here? Here's the fact. You didn't get saved because you prayed through. You did not get saved because you suffered a lot. You did not get saved because hair stood upon your head. Because you bald-headed folks be in trouble. So, what happens? The fact is, the Holy Ghost of God, watch all these facts, the Holy Ghost of God, by the Word of God, through, through a preacher or a personal witness, or through His Word that you were reading, calls you to understand, I don't, I, something's not right, and causes us to turn to God and at that point brings conviction upon us that you're not right with God. Secondly, you need to get right with God. So the Holy Spirit does all of this, and you change your mind about the facts about you and Jesus. Change your mind. You know what repentance is? Change your mind. It's a change of mind. Repentance is a change of mind. Repentance in itself does not save. Oh, there's the catch. What? Repentance doesn't save? No. Doesn't save. Repentance is a change of mind. Do you know how many times in the Old Testament it said God repented of the evil he was going to do? So I guess he was sinning. No, he changed his mind. He changed his mind. Let me explain something to you. You need to pay attention. Go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. 
Now, a lot of you, you really saved, so don't get all, all confused about this. You just didn't know. You, you got terms mixed up and, and didn't realize it. Mark chapter number 1. Matthew, Mark chapter number 1. See, you need to change your mind about what you believe about you and about Christ. Now that I've changed my mind about me and him, I can ask him to save me. You say, I don't know about it. Okay, but then let's just use fact Bible. Okay, ready? Go to Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And saying, again, here's John the Baptist, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Let, well, read it carefully. Repent ye and believe the gospel. That's not one and the same. One leads to the other. But it's not one and the same. You need to repent and change your mind and then believe the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Repentance is a change of mind. Yeah. Right. I need to change my mind about who I was trusting, what I was trusting, what I believe, and I need to change my mind also about the Savior, yeah. what He came for. Yeah. Now that I've done that, now I'm on ground where I can be saved. Yeah. Yeah. As long as I believe this is okay and Jesus said I'm the way, that's never going to work. I have to change my mind about this, about Him and about me. I am a sinner. He is the only Savior. I've got to change my mind about that. Right. Repentance is a change of mind yeah. of who and what I'm trusting in. Now that I've done that, now I know I can be saved and I, I, Christ turns me towards Him. So what happens here is this. Watch. Look at it again. We're in Mark chapter number 1 verse 15. And saying, talking about John the Baptist, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. John the Baptist is simply saying, God's about ready to return. By the way, they thought that in his day. Over 2,000 years has gone by. If it was, they thought it was going to happen then. When's the last time you actually thought Jesus was coming back? We don't. We get so busy and so caught up in this world, we're not thinking about stuff like that. But watch what happens here is this. What about, he said, you better change your mind about what you believe and then accept the gospel. That's the only name you can call on. Now that I've got you to change your mind, change what you think, change what you think about you, there's the name and the person you have to believe on. The gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. This is not the gospel. This is the way Christians are supposed to live. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4 absolutely describes what the gospel is. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have made a big mistake today in trying to take the word of God to a lost and a dying world. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible said take the gospel into all the world. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection by which we are saved. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The rest of this book is to tell his people, this is what I want. This is how I live. This is what I am. That's not for the world. The world is dead in trespasses and sins, and we want them to see the light. Well, the light they need to see is Jesus Christ. Until they see Jesus Christ, you're not a part of the family of God. I think we're all a part. I can't help what you think. You're not a part of the family of God until you've been born into his family. Let me shock you clear down to your high heels. Ready? You're a child of the devil and of this world. You say, I don't like that. And I wouldn't either. You know what I'd do? I'd change families. So, where are we at here? Someplace. 
Okay, go to Acts chapter 2. Oh, no, not Acts chapter 2, 38. Oh, no, not, not the Pentecostal verse. Oh, no, not... Folks, quit getting all upset about stuff, will you? Acts chapter 2, okay? Acts chapter 2. Just like the whole baptism with fire. Oh, is that... Oh, just read the Bible. Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. Ready? You know this verse? You there? Then Peter said unto them, what's the first word? Repent. What's that mean? Change your mind and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. See, preacher, it's, it's trusting Christ and getting baptized. That's full salvation. That's what most people think that means. Right? But watch what he says here. For the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the Holy Oh, the Holy Ghost talking to us. Folks, without the Spirit of God, you're none of His. When you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you receive, even whether you request or not, the indwelling, not the filling, but the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because without the Holy Spirit, you're none of His. I've had people actually tell me that are ignorant of the Bible, say, I've received Christ, I'm waiting to receive the Spirit. You're not saved without the Spirit of God. He is the earnest of our salvation, the Bible says. He is that down payment for God said, those that have Him, I'm coming back for those. You don't have the Holy Spirit of God, you don't belong to Jesus. And the way you receive the Holy Spirit of God is by receiving Christ into your heart. He comes in and indwells in you and quickens your spirit, which was made dead because of Adam and Eve. So the lost world cannot understand the Bible and God's ways because their spirit, you're a tripartite, body, soul, spirit. Your spirit became dead because of Adam and Eve and sin. When the Spirit of God, you receive Jesus Christ in your heart, it's really not Jesus living in you. You accepted what he did for you. The Spirit of God now comes in and quickens your spirit, makes it alive. Now God and I can talk together. I can begin to understand. So we're going to take a book that dead people, we're trying our best to get them to agree with God. They don't even have life yet. It's like describing a sunset to a blind man. I don't care how good you are at it. We got people all over the airwaves, TV and radio, trying to tell the world the deep things about God. They can't even understand salvation. They don't even have life yet. Let's go over to Sheddinger and yell and scream at a dead man. You know what you're going to do about it? Nothing. You're going to tell him how much fun we had in life today. You know what you're going to do about it? Nothing. Boy, you should have been with us. Man, we were running down along the river, and boy, we were skipping rock. We were having... You know what he's going to do about it? Nothing. You know what he needs? Life. He has no life. Describe what God wants, doesn't want, Revelation, Daniel, do all that. We're so impressed with ourselves. Now, today on the radio, we'll be describing the 42 toes on Daniel's image. I know, folks, you didn't think there were 42 toes, but there were 42 toes. I've broken them all down. We're going, wow. And we're just confusing the world. Because I don't care how good of a teacher you are, a dead man does not understand things of life. So what do we have here? So Peter, let me break this down to you. He's simply saying this. Go back to Acts 2.38. Peter said, first of all, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Why? Why do I need to repent and then be baptized? Why? Ready? For or because of the remission of sins. So why should I get baptized? Because I ask God to forgive me of my sins. Yeah. Yeah. That's called salvation. Yeah. See? So, 
He said, and then you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Change your mind about Jesus first. Now get baptized. In the book of Acts, chapter number 2, that is the very first step of obedience after salvation. Now folks, if you've been taught baptism is part of salvation, I want you to explain to me why God has a double and triple standard in that manner. The thief on the cross never got baptized. Here's what you're going to say. But he couldn't. So it doesn't apply to everybody. What are you going to do when Paul said, Jesus sent me into the world not to baptize, but to preach the gospel? Oh, wait a minute. If baptism is part of the gospel, why would God tell him don't? See, there's a a problem there. Okay, I'm trying to bring all that up. Go to Acts chapter 17. We're almost done. Another 45 pages. We're out of here. I just say that so you'll laugh, but it might be true. Who knows? Acts chapter number 17. I think, it's, is it me? Is it warm in here? Yes. No, okay, okay, we're good. If I'm warm, don't worry about me because I'm old and feeble. Just, just, don't, just worry about yourself. Way to go, Christian. Thank you. Acts chapter number 30. I'm sorry, 17, verse 30. I don't think there is a 30. Acts 17, verse 30. Paul is on a place they called Mars Hill uh, in Athens, I believe. And what he did, he went there, and while Paul was trying to take the gospel to the city, there was a place in the city where anybody could stand and talk, preach, yell, scream, do what they want to, kind of like going to Ohio State campus. And uh, you could do that. So Paul went up the trail to Mars Hill. On his way up here, he saw this idol and this idol with a name on it. And he saw Jupiter and that idol, and he saw Venus and that idol, and he saw a cow and that idol, and he, he saw all the idols. And he's going up there, and he's looking at all this, and he's getting ready to go up there and preach the gospel. On his way up, though, something captured his attention. There was an idol up there with no name on it. It simply said, to the unknown God. In case they missed one. Paul got up there, and he said this. He talked about their, ready, superstition. Mm -hmm. Superstition. That's made-up stuff. And he talked about their ignorance. Here's what he said. The unknown God, that one, not the idol, but what he said, unknown, is unknown to you. That one is the true God. The one our world doesn't know hardly anything about, that is the one. He is the one that they're ignorant of. So they're going about trying to get to heaven their own way. Well, I'm Baptist. Well, I'm Catholic. Well, I'm Lutheran. Well, I'm a Jehovah Witness. It's not a thing that gets you to heaven. It is a person that gets yeah. you to heaven. As soon as you ask somebody, are you saved? I'm a Catholic. I'm a Lutheran. I'm a, I'm a Jehovah no witness. They don't say that one word in there, but anyway. So you need to change your mind about that. So Paul is here, and watch. Watch what he says. Look at verse 30. At the times of this ignorance, he's looking at all of these statues, looking at all these names, looking at all these people, learning about all these different religions and all these different ways, and he says... And the times of this ignorance. Worshipping any and all things. God winked at. But see now, Jesus has died, rose again, and is in heaven. Very plain. Everybody knows. So he said, okay, maybe he didn't realize, maybe he didn't know. God gave you the benefit of the doubt. God kind of went. He didn't destroy everybody. God didn't destroy everybody on the earth. If you would, he kind of went, okay, well, we're heading towards the truth. They'll see it then. Well, Jesus has died now. 
He was buried. He rose again. Watch what he says. Ready? Repentance is not an option for you. You changing your mind about God and you is now commanded by God. Watch what he says. He said, commandeth all men everywhere to what? Repent. God is saying, I am commanding. My son died for you. Uh, how many people out loud would say God is a liar? Go ahead, raise your hand. That would be stupid, wouldn't it? Amen. Do you know when you know about Jesus and do not receive him, you're calling God a liar? Yeah. Keep your hand here. Go to 1 John, way up by Revelation. 1 John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, a whole bunch of other books. And you go past Hebrews, okay? Go to, um, what did I just say? Um, yeah, First John. Past First, Second Peter. Okay, ready? Most people don't realize it. Murder, that's terrible. I can tell you something worse than that. Homosexuality, oh, I can tell you something worse than that. I will tell you actually the sin that's going to send people to hell. I think suicide. First of all, that, that's not true. Suicide does not send people to hell. I'm going to show you right now why people go to hell and don't go to heaven. One reason. I didn't say it was okay to do all this stuff. I'm telling you the sin that sends you to hell or will get you to heaven. Here it is. Ready? Ready? Look at it. First John chapter 5, <clears throat> verse number 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. Are you there? 1 John 5, verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God, there's that name, hath a witness in himself. That'd be the Holy Spirit of God. He that believeth not God hath... What? What? I've never called God a liar. No, by, by not... Watch, he tells this. Because... See that word? Because he believeth not the record. You don't believe that God gave his Son? You call, God said, I did. I don't believe it. You're calling me a liar. God said you're calling him a liar. Good night. That sounds pretty serious. That sounds more serious than smoking dope. Right? I didn't say it was okay. Oh, man, great. I'm simply telling you, God said, I gave my son. Watch what he says in the next verse here. Verse 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his son. That's the record right here. It's right in front of you. Watch. Ready? He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. God made it very plain. You have my Son, you have life. I give it to you. But God commendeth His love toward us. God demonstrated and showed His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's not waiting for you to get better, my friend. God said, look, I died for sinners. I know what you are. You're a sinner, lost, undone. Your best days, your righteousness is all as filthy. I already know all of this. I came down by my grace and my own pleasure and offered you eternal life because of my son. You say, well, somebody's got to pay for sin. He did. He paid for it. So God winked. But now God says, I'm commanding. I'm comm-. This is not an option. God said, I'm commanding you to change your mind. Command to change your mind about who you think you are and who he is. You have to change your mind about this. 
These folks were believing and trusting in everything but Christ to save them. And the Apostle Paul told them of Christ. And once they knew the truth, they not only needed to change their mind, but now they needed to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. God commandeth all men everywhere. Until there is first a change of mind. See, this is what I'm trying to do this morning. I'm trying to get you to change what you always thought, who you always trusted in, what you believe is right and wrong. I'm trying to change your mind with facts. Because I could tell you my experience, here's what I believe. You know, I always felt this way. You could tell me the same thing. But I like it when a person says, well, I think this and this. This is why you ought to carry a Bible. Wow, that really sounds good. Can you show me that in the Bible? Then they'll say something like that. Well, I don't know my Bible as well as you do. And why won't you listen to me? So, until this happens, who you're trusting in to save you will never do it except for Jesus Christ. There must be a change of mind, repentance, before you will accept Christ as Savior. Go to a couple other places. Ready? 2 Corinthians. We're almost done. You're in Acts. Go forward toward Revelation. Past Romans, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians, not 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians 7, verse number 10. Now, you need to listen very carefully to this part, okay? I have to tell you a story related to this. When I was in the military, I was a very, very bad guy and uh, did a lot of things that were very sinful, very violent, very wrong. One day I got caught doing something extremely bad and I was looking at 10, 15 to 25 years in penitentiary. Now the only thing you care about is what did I do, not that I got right with God. I remember walking across a parade field on, I think it's Fort Benning, and I, I'm walking across the parade field. I don't know what is with us. When we run into really bad times, here's what we normally say. Maybe we ought to go to church. So I saw this little white chapel. Now you have to understand, our family, my sister's here. She may remember. I didn't go to church. I don't remember anything about it. I don't remember nothing about religion, praying over food, saying prayer, nothing, nothing. So here I am, and I see this chapel, and I think, I'll go in there. Now see, I, I've seen Shirley Temple movies. Or Shirley Temple went in and prayed for grandfather. I remember that. If you don't know, classic. And I went in. And so I went in. I knelt down. I'm crying. I'm, I'm 17 years old looking at a huge part of my life in prison. Don't tell me I wasn't sorrowful. And I knelt down. And I prayed. Oh, God, please, don't let this happen to me. Get me out of this mess. I promise you I'll never do this again. This kind of felt like nobody's listening. You know why? I wasn't praying any prayer of repentance. I wasn't praying any prayer. You know what I had? I had a worldly sorrow. Let me explain to you. Look at verse number 10. 2 Corinthians 7, verse number 10. For godly sorrow, this is a sorrow towards God, worketh repentance, the change of mind, to what? Salvation. So first of all comes that repentance that will bring me to salvation. Are you there? Are you with me? Not to be repented of. It never has to happen again. Once saved, always saved. I never have to change my mind about Jesus and me again. Okay, now somebody's just reasoning like crazy on why this has to be this way. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. Okay, so it sounds to me like there's two kinds of sorrow. 
One is a sorrow that the world called, listen to me, fellas, quiet. You heard him. Quit staring at him like that. He ain't going to do anything. Now, here's what happens. Ready? I was sorry I got caught. I was sorry I was looking at prison time. I was sorry for a lot of things. But it wasn't about Jesus. It wasn't about God. It wasn't about anything concerning godly stuff. I had a sorrow about me and the world. You know what that produced? Nothing but death. I went right from there, went to Vietnam, become a junkie. That prayer didn't change a thing. The nature stayed the same. I had a sorrow concerning things of the world. Nothing changed. But after I came back and my brother finally helped me about repentance, I changed my mind about me. I changed my mind about Jesus. Because all of the sorrow that was in my life now come to light. And he's the answer. So the repentance made me change my mind about me and change my mind about him. And now I can be saved. See, there's no goodness in us. It wasn't like, well, I was searching for God. You mean there's some goodness in you? No, there's not. You have to understand, the Holy Ghost of God brings conviction on us by the Word of God, and then no man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Holy Ghost of God drew me to Christ. So we have to understand these things. So there is a godly... A lot of people come to the altar and they cry and weep and carry on. My mom and dad are getting a divorce. Very sad. I wish it never happened. But that'll never bring salvation. You say, I had a good cry. I feel so much better. What was Jesus in all that? Other than, come on, genie, answer my prayer and help me. That's what we think God is, a genie in a Bible. He's supposed to answer prayer, and if he doesn't, we'll hold that against him too. But that night when I knelt down at an altar and said, ready? Ready for my big prayer? Jesus, with tears, I couldn't hardly talk. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's about me. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please. That's about him. Yeah. I changed my mind about me. I changed my... See, up until that point, I just justified. I don't care. Man, you look at me the wrong way, I'll rip your stinking head off. Justified, right? You pull in front of me, I'll run you off the road. Justified. Everything I was doing, I was justifying myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Had to change my mind about that. Amen. Once I changed my mind... That's what you need right there. Amen. You follow me? Yeah. Okay. Fact. Go to Hebrews 13. We're done. I'm sorry, Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3. You're almost there. Go forward. If you're in 2 Corinthians, go forward. Bible says in one place, God is not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to, not salvation, repentance. Repentance is a change of mind about you and him now. I can receive the gospel. I've changed my mind about what I believe, defending myself, attacking others, justifying myself. God said, no, it won't work. You've got to change your mind about that. So, and by the way, God commands that. Because I'm telling you right now, you need to change your mind. Why? Because until you do that, you can't be saved. So, watch what he says here in uh, where we're Hebrews chapter... Yep. Oh, verse number 15. 
<clears throat> in the middle of there, it says this. Today, if you will. It's your decision. I have given you enough scripture for you to repent. Change your mind. I don't care what arguments you're throwing up right now, whatever it is, will not stand against the Bible. Let God be true and every man a liar. There's one Savior. You are a sinner. And if you do not repent, you'll never get the gospel. You'll never get it. You'll never receive it. So what's he say? Today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Please, do not just say, maybe another day. I'm just not ready. I'm having too much fun. I'm going to run around the world a while. Maybe later on when I get old. You're hardening your heart. And he said, today is the day of salvation. See, there are facts. The fact is you're a sinner. The fact is Jesus died and rose again, and he is the only Savior. The fact is you must repent and be saved. And the fact is you must believe these facts. Because God said... Do you not find it amazing when you read about Peter? We do the same thing. We're so, we're so upset with Peter. God told him he was going to deny him, and he said, I'm not. Yeah. Peter talked back to God. Yeah. I always found that amazing. Yeah. He said, Peter, before the night's over with you, I will not. Wait a minute, Peter, this is God. This is Jesus talking to you. He said, you're going to deny me. Peter said, I don't care what you say, I'm not going to. Yeah. Okay, who was right? God was. You know what we do? You read scripture, and here's what you say. I don't believe that. You just rebuked the Lord and said, I don't believe that. That's a little serious. So the fact is this. There's a warning in the Old Testament, <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 1. I want to end this with a warning. If that's not enough, I'll end this with a warning. He that being often reproved, Yet that is corrected to the face by words. That's what rebuke means. And here in Hebrews chapter, I'm sorry, Hebrews, Proverbs chapter 29, verse number one. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck. I don't care what he said. I'm doing that. I'm leaving since church over. I'm out of here. It's like a horse when you pull him. He pulls back on you. He's hardening his neck. He's pulling. He's pulling away from what you want him to do. What's going to happen if I do? Shall suddenly be destroyed. And that without remedy. You do understand when you die, which you have no guarantee you'll live throughout the day. It's too late. There is no second chance. You're not going to go to heaven and get kicked out. You're not going to hell and God's going to have enough compassion on you. It's not going to happen. There's no Bible for what you're just thinking. So please, you hear what I have to say this morning? I wasn't raised that way. I wasn't taught that way. I don't like that. I think he's wrong. Okay, okay, okay. So what you're doing? I didn't ask you to become a Baptist. I didn't ask you to get baptized. I just presented to you some facts out of the Bible. Now, if you would, the ball's in your court. Will you repent? Will you change your mind to the truth? That truth is accepting only Jesus Christ as your Savior? Will you change your mind and accept Him? Or are you going to harden, stiffen your neck?
Well, as soon as church is over with, I'm, I'm out of here. I don't have to listen to it. You're right. You don't have to. You don't have to go to heaven either. What are you going to do? Let's pray.